Hey guys, Dane here, the Darkroom Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Today's date is April 16th, 2020. And in this episode of the Darkroom Podcast, we hear from three different creators in another episode of Creators in Isolation. You'll hear conversations with photographer Jessica Zolman, Diversify Photo co-founder Andrea Wise, and author and designer Danny DePiro. We cover a wide range of topics based around the effects of COVID-19's nationwide lockdown and the ripple effect it has on the creative community. Let's kick off this three-part series with photographer and creator Jessica Zolman. You may know her work at jzombie on Instagram. Jessica was also one of Instagram's first employees and helped create a lot of features that made Instagram such a powerful tool for creatives. Jessica starts off the chat letting me know about her recent layoff and what she's been going through during these tough times. Welcome to the Darkroom Podcast, where you'll get to hear from the best full-time creators on the planet. From starting out to where they are now and everywhere in between. Welcome to the dark room. I feel like all of this kind of started for me like the second week of March. Um, at, like I I listened to NPR on my daily drive. And so the last couple uh, weeks of February, I was listening to things really escalating in Wuhan and, and the spread getting more intense and thinking there's no way it's not in the United States. Um, and honestly feeling a little bit like chicken little at work and a little bit like <laughs> chicken little with my friends and, yeah. um, and especially my boyfriend, we're long distance. And so he lives in Portland and I live in LA. Um, and knowing that at some point one of us was going to be getting on a plane either right before things were escalating, uh, was also like very nerve wracking for me. Um, but basically, uh, he, my boyfriend came to LA, um, on a Wednesday night, March 11th. Um, my work decided on Friday that everyone should work from home. That was Friday the 13th. Um, that, uh, because I work for a coffee company and we have different shops all around Los Angeles, that anyone who was basically non-essential doesn't need to be in the office can work from home. Yeah. It was mandatory to work from home. Um, so over the weekend things, I was basically working throughout the whole weekend, um, both with photo projects, um, design projects, just basically like everything in LA was changing quick. It mm -hmm. was like to go only, you know, all yeah, of that LA was fast, super fast, really fast, which was yeah. great. Like it was incredible, but it meant my weekend was a blur and I didn't really have one as the, you know, social media manager, graphic designer, photographer for their company. Um, I was on call all weekend yeah. and, um, Monday I just had this gut feeling. I was like, there's, we're not gonna, not that we're not going to survive this, but that like some of us who work at headquarters who are salary won't survive it. <laughs> and, uh, my manager, who's an incredible person and has continued to be a supportive rock throughout my experience. Um, you know, told me to start telling people no. Like, yeah. now is the time to tell people that they need to be self-sufficient. You can't be getting messages all day asking where X, Y, and Z is on Dropbox. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows how to log in. To tell people no. Yeah. Um, and Tuesday afternoon was when I got the call from our CEO that they were letting me go. Um, that they, like, know how valuable my time for the last two years there had been. But as I probably assumed, uh, having a visual coordinator, social media manager on salary was not a uh, priority and that I, they would help me walk me through the steps of filing for unemployment. Um, and that should, at the end of all of this, I want to return to my position mm -hmm. pending 
what their business looks like, that there would be a place for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's brutal. God, <laughs> you know, I, it's, I have uh, a couple buddies too, that the, like the same, probably in the same weekend that that yeah. exact thing happened to them and their employers reached out to them and they were like, look, you know, like we, you got to get on unemployment now because we can't pay yeah. you. So totally. we might have a job for you in a month, two months, but we have yeah. no idea what the timeline is on this. So like, that's when this weird, like unemployment safety net, which honestly is not much of a safety net. It's like no. a safety string. Yeah. It's like one little strand yeah. of a net. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's where that gets kind of scary and skewed because you're like, look, am I going to live a life for the next six months on unemployment? And it kind of like yeah. weirdly erases that time too from your financial history. You know, if you're trying to get a for house sure. or if you're trying to get a loan for something, you can't just go back and be like, it wasn't my fault that I was on this and, and you know, yeah. like, blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's really tough to, to bounce back from that after a certain amount of time. Totally. And, you know, I, I'm in a strange limbo. I um, had plans as of January to move up to Portland and move in to a new place with my boyfriend and leave L.A. and um, enter freelance again full time, too. So I was like kind of ramping up and like the blessing in disguise is that I was saving money from my full time job mm -hmm. to have runway for all of my bills for um, my freelance, like venturing back into freelance photography. Yeah, like where does the creative mind of of Jessica Zolman go once this all happens? Because, like you said, like you did, you did it freelance wise for a long time, and you know you totally. worked for Instagram, and like you like spearheaded so many crazy, awesome creative projects for them. So, like, what was the first initial like Jessica Zolman brain activity like? I mean, the first thing was like, okay, I'm locked in. I have a bunch of seamlesses. I mm -hmm. have a ton of props. Like I'm just going to start making still life photos and like start marketing myself to brands as like a one woman uh, can photograph your product if you need it. It yeah. will still be bright and colorful and Instagrammy show. And then like the full like trauma hit. <laughs> like. Yeah the reality of what was happening hit. And I was like, I actually need some time to like mourn this and mm -hmm. process this. Like I've worked at this company for two years. I didn't get to say goodbye to anyone. I'm now planning on moving to Portland. I can't afford to stay in LA on yeah. unemployment and I can't afford to stay in LA with the runway that I have because it wasn't enough. Um, and so in the middle of a pandemic, I'm also struggling with the guilt of choosing to move to a new city and, and the, you know, emotions that come with packing up your home and your life that, you know, I've lived here for six years. Um, and so like my initial thought was like, this is an opportunity, like use it. And then my brain was like, oh no, you need a minute. Like yeah. you actually can give yourself a minute to process all of this. <laughs> and it's a double-edged sword because when you feel like that, the last thing you feel like doing is getting up off the couch and shooting or getting your portfolio totally. set up or like pitching yeah. the brands. Like you have to be in the right headspace for all of that. For sure. So yeah. in a way you have to take the time that you need to, to kind of yeah. just sit around and just try to process. I mean, I've been very... I've been so proud of myself. Like every day I'm showering, I'm wearing real <laughs> jeans right now, even That's though this good. is a podcast. Yeah, like yeah. I've been cooking, you know, me and my boyfriend have been cooking every meal. Like we're still trying to support like once a week, a local business, but, yeah. um, you know, we're like, I, I've just been trying to do things that make me feel like a functioning adult, even though I'm not going outside and I'm not interacting with people and I'm not 
Um, I'm not shooting. I'm not taking photos. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mostly playing Animal Crossing, if I'm going to be perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that game so much. I don't even know what it's yeah. like. I have no idea. Uh, it's it's a second life where you owe someone a bunch of money, but it's cool. <laughs> There's no interest. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And they'll do the project before you owe them. So it's very exciting. Perfect. Uh, but, you know, it's like, it's definitely... Um, it's a balance. Like my mental health has not suffered. I've had dark days, Mm -hmm. but I still feel good and hopeful. And you know, that's also packaged in with like some sadness and some grief, but it's getting better. Um, you know, at this point, my focus has been on the move, um, making sure I'm doing it in a way where I'm not hiring anyone. I'm not interacting with people I'm putting all of my stuff in a pod, um, and keeping it in storage in Portland. Yeah. Um, and I just want to like get to Portland and feel like refreshed and like have a, you know, the mental space, the mental capacity to like maybe dive into my archives and Mm -hmm. like edit some old photos and like get nostalgic and, um, work on my portfolio and like do the kind of things that can kind of stay contained and stay digital and don't have to be like setting up the seamless finding the inspiration. Um, a little retrospection right now feels like what I'm capable of doing. And I'm, I'm pretty okay with that, but I'm also good like putting a pin in it and saying, okay, I have until May. And um, maybe at that point, some more like stock image requests will be on the horizon. You know, I, I've seen a couple of those cross my path and I'm like, Oh, I can't, I can't do it right now. <laughs> um, but those kind of seems to be the things that are like uh, out there and grabbable at this moment. And right. so I, th- I think for me, after the move, the next step is getting my um, archives in a place where they're easily searchable and, and uh, you know, maybe I can actually refocus my attention and be like, no, I'm like, I'm freelance now. That's what I do now. Uh, yeah. Instead of, instead of I got laid off from COVID-19. <laughs> well, so, what yeah. this is, at least what it's doing for me, and I feel like I'm not alone, uh, you know, being a photographer that all of my income comes from shooting with brands rather than for myself. So Mm -hmm. in this situation now, I'm really not shooting for any brands. Like I have like one or two left that I have like a couple tiny projects. So what now is happening is I'm trying to be sufficient on my own and I'm trying to get to a place where I can sell my own work and it's not easy at all unless mm-hmm. you have like a crazy following. You've been doing it for a long time. So like I'm working on totally. a book, which hopefully I can start selling in the next few weeks or a month or two. I'm trying to get prints back in the market. I'm trying to get back on stock photo sites. I've been putting videos on stock video sites. Um, so like I'm trying to be sufficient with my own work right now. Totally. And it's yeah. hard, but there is kind of something cool about jumping into that side of it because ultimately like who wouldn't want to make a living solely on that you know totally yeah yeah it's it's definitely um an interesting time for that i I had some uh print that was going to come out with 20 by 200 uh a few weeks ago that didn't um since all of their printers and framers in new york shut down um so you know i like I've done the print thing. It's hard. Uh, it's hard for me to feel motivated. Yeah. Uh, and it's also hard to find a one-stop shop where I'm not the handler and I'm not shipping, um, that will do all of that. Uh, and like be a high quality as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I've seen a lot of friends doing that and I'm, I more power to them. I'm so, you know, we've all got to make money. However, we can make money right now. And I, like deeply feel those pains. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think for me it's 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 a moment of reflection for sure. 
how like I feel like your life is kind of a life in chapters and and that happens mm-hmm. with me a lot too and it doesn't even happen on purpose it just does yeah like how, how do you handle like chapters do you prefer to have like these chapters in your life or do you do you want like the longevity and like the long term uh, dedication to like one specific path like how like how does your brain work when it comes to like different things and getting thrown change ups and fastballs and all this stuff. Yeah, what an amazing question. I I think um, my life has always been in chapters. (laughs) I feel like, you know, for me, a lot of the things that define the decisions that I make, unfortunately, do come from some trauma, um, Mm -hmm. just based on my history, you know, my father passing away when I was very young, um, moving and just there's a lot of elements that have um, resulted in who I am now. So for me, I think the hardest thing right now is that it's not that the chapter of my full-time job going away, closing is like, I think a lot of it is that there's a lot of books that are being left open. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't get to say goodbye to my coworkers who I care about and I love deeply. I'm not going to get to say goodbye to my friends in Los Angeles who I care about and I love deeply. I'm not even going to get to properly say goodbye to the city. Um, a lot of it right now is me feeling in limbo. I don't feel like those chapters are closed. And I think that's going to be a really big pain point for me. And I actually think it's probably going to be a point that will influence and change my art going forward. Um, There's a lot of trauma around this experience that we're all collectively feeling. And so we're all on this, like, we're literally all on the same page together. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and, for sure. And, I, and it's rare and that's strange and, and it's a worldwide experience. Um, and so I'm just kind of, like, feeling the gravity of that information and trying to feel not alone and, like, making sure that whatever comes next that I move into my next phase of life, you know, knowing that this is a collective experience. We're all having a lot of loose ends, unfinished chapters in our stories um, happening right now together and to, you know, maybe use that and feel those feelings and explore what that means in my work going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, being like so tied into social media, like and for a long time in your life, yeah, yeah. are you, are you approaching like relationships that you can build with brands now on social media? Or, like, are you, are you approaching uh, Instagram any different now, like specifically in this time than you were before? Are you going to veer kind of away from it and really try to make like these personal connections with brands and reach out and try to do that? Like, how are you, how are you viewing social media during this time? Yeah. So I think, um, obviously social media is the one way that we're all finding emotional connection with the people that we care about in the communities that we've built. Um, Twitter, I have a 30 minute time limit on it. (laughs) Like (laughs) Twitter is my mental health spiral. So Uh I actively, I check it for 30 minutes in the morning and then that's it. (laughs) Um, yeah, Yeah. once it's grayed out, I'm not, I, I'm not allowed to go back. Uh, and I've honestly been on Reddit a lot too. There's a lot of, um, like communal, uh, just sort of like shared experiences mm-hmm. more so than Instagram. Instagram, I'm seeing a lot of hustle in, in my personal network. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like you're saying, like the people who are still doing the brand work and, um, whereas like for me, Reddit is kind of this place where it's like people talking about how frustrated they are at certain experiences that we're all sharing. It, it feels a little more like we are all in this together. Like, uh, whereas Instagram is a little more like, 
I'm not going to share my real feelings. Right. I'm going to power through and share the pretty photos and do what I need to do. And I'm not there. I'm not there. I don't know that yeah. I will be there. You know, I mean, even with this move, I thought about reaching out to U-Haul. I came close to reaching out to U-Haul and uh, talking about like doing a partnership. And then I was like, Oh my God, what am I doing? I can't, you know what? I can't do like an endorsement of U-Haul in the middle of a pandemic because the right thing to do is not move. Like I'm actually not doing the right thing. I just am doing what I need to do financially to like, you know, save my career. Yeah. But that's an impulsively like you're going to, you're going to do that naturally. Yeah. And I'm not going to judge other people for doing it. And and something that I came to terms with yesterday was that um, people are going to see that I'm moving and they're going to judge me and they're going to say that, it, uh, you know, I'm, I am putting people in danger and I, and I know that, and I know that, you know, like it's, it is true. Um, and I also know that I can't afford to go into debt, not paying my landlord who will absolutely take me to court when this is all done <laughs> oh, if man. I don't pay rent. Yeah, And of so, you know, we're, we're all making really difficult decisions right now. Um, some of us are making them in haste and some of them are us are doing it intentionally. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think I'm intentionally not pursuing brand partnerships at this moment, because I know there will be things that will reveal themselves. Brands will have needs for photos. People will be purchasing things, you know, that are necessities that like stories will come from this that will need to be told that won't feel um, like sponsorshipy. They will feel organic. And I, I'm sort of at the point um, and part of it is a privilege because I do have savings (laughs) where I just, I want to wait for those, the things that feel right, the things that feel good, like the, the branding partnerships, the art, the creativity that kind of lets me explore my feelings about all of this in a way that allows me to then pay probably what will be a very high health insurance bill. Cause I have not had to pay health insurance on my own <laughs> <laughs> for two years. Oh, man. Um, yeah. so yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Well, and you know, you're, I feel like your circle is a lot of creatives. Like you see a lot of stories and a lot of totally. things happening like in real time. Like, yeah. do you have a, a pulse on kind of like what the lasting effects might be from this? Like, it's a, I know it's a weird question cause we don't really know yeah. when it's going to end. But yeah. do you like do you see like a trend of what is kind of happening with creatives in your circle right now? I mean, I think a lot more people are are realizing that what we had as like especially in the influencer world was like it it was a flash in the pan. Like we were lucky to have had it for as long as we did. Mm-hmm. Um things were so good for so long and, and they already were shifting. Like if things were already in sort of a weird flux state where like rates were going down and jobs were um, harder to come by yeah. uh, unless you were well-established. And so I think now people, you know, uh, having a, a totally random event occur of a virus and it changing the entire structure of the economy, I think it's really going to shift uh, how creatives create like I am grateful that I had a full-time job for the last two years um because I know that some of my friends who were already struggling before are now like really feeling the pain of uh the few jobs that they had lined up this summer going away yeah people are craving genuine work now more than ever so I think that we might see this influx of like really awesome creativity and those creators actually stick around for for the long term 
Yeah, I agree. Well, and you know, I had a thought, I, I actually haven't gone out of my way to check, but I had a thought the other day where I said, what's David Dobrik and his whole crew doing right now? <laughs> like, like I haven't looked at their vlog in months, but like what their whole vlog's entire point is based on like going out into Los Angeles and like torturing each other. Like uh-huh. you can't do that right now. So right. yeah, I think, I think things are just going to shift. It's going to be, um, you know, uh, it's going to be different. And I think there's even more emphasis and importance. Like I can't recommend enough getting a financial advisor. I like, I'm so blessed that I have an amazing one in LA, like being business oriented, being business focused, being business savvy is what's going to help creatives have the edge and have the long-term edge. It is the one thing that had me doing this for six years straight before I moved into a full-time job with freelance on the side Um, And it's what's going to keep me going after this. Just making sure you are on top of the business aspect is like, it's, it's a privilege, you know, like to have that, but it's important and it will help you in the long term. And I think without having that like savvy and know-how and being able to kind of like save a little bit on taxes during this very critical quarterly time of year uh, has been extremely helpful. And knowing I've got professionals in my corner who have my back uh, has helped a lot too. Man, that's such a good closeout. I I need that advice too more than ever. So thank you for that. Oh my gosh, I need a financial advisor. Like that is my biggest problem as a creative. Like the business side, the like all of that is just a muddled mess. It's hard. And I like having a person who like knows what they're doing and can tell me what to do. And I just go, yes, sir. And I open up a new account, you know? Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what I need. Well, I mean, thank you. That was, that was awesome. Like that, like, I don't know if you want to talk about anything else that you want to get off your chest or anything that like really means a lot to you that we didn't touch on or or anything, but yeah, um, I would say the only thing, um, I, I kept seeing this meme going around being like, if you're not focusing on that project you've been putting off, then you didn't lack inspiration. You lack discipline. Oh my God. No. (laughs) I I actually unfollowed several people on Instagram who shared it. I was like, no, that's the most misguided. We are all going through trauma. A lot of it. This is grief. We are grieving the future that we don't have anymore. We are grieving a past that has changed completely. Like we are grieving so much together. And if you just need to space out and watch like all of the office for the 18th time, do it. Like just do it. It is fine. You don't lack discipline you are taking care of yourself and that's totally okay. I am a stranger, or maybe you know me, but I give you permission. Like, just feel your feelings, take a breather. You know, we are all in this together. You are doing great. (laughs) Now we're gonna jump into a conversation with Andrea Wise. Andrea is the co-founder of Diversify Photo. She works with brands, nonprofits, and editorial outlets to find solutions for creative problems. Diversify Photo recently collaborated with Darkroom for a print sale that gives 100% of the proceeds back to photographers impacted by COVID-19. You can still support these artists by buying their prints if you go to diversifyphoto.darkroom.tech. Let's jump into the conversation as Andrea lets me know what Diversify Photo is all about. Yeah, so um, Diversify Photo is a community of photographers of color, photo editors of color. Um, We've been expanding to include a lot more visual storytellers working in different lens-based media. My co-founder, Brent Lewis, and I sort of found each other a couple years ago. We didn't know each other, but we were both starting to compile a database um, of 
of photographers of color and you know everyone that we were meeting was like oh are you working with Brent on this and yeah he was being asked are you working with Andrea on this and we're like I (laughs) don't know who that is but maybe we should team up um so we did we launched in 2017 um initially as a fairly basic website and spreadsheet just with the intention of trying to increase representation and um, and, and diversity of rosters of editors at mostly major editorial outlets, um, though we also serve, um, you know, creative directors working in advertising and flat fashion and, and, and anybody who hires um, photographers. So we really aim to increase the equity of hiring in, um, in all lens-based communications. So, yes. Before things got really weird and tough with everything that's happening now with with covid what were kind of your your you know weekly projects and things that you guys were working on to get more photographers work and get people like into jobs and and into branding deals and things like that so before the world flipped upside down (laughs) um back in december we held an open call we actually originally launched um just just serving U.S.-based photographers, mm-hmm. um, and we had some long discussions about whether or not it made sense to expand internationally, um, and we ultimately, from feedback from our community and after sort of organically growing um, more of an international community online, um, w- we just realized that, you know, borders don't really exist when it comes to sourcing talent, and so it made sense to try to include people working in all corners of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So we held an open call and we got, um, I want to say like 1500 applicants um, from about 50 countries around the world. Um, So it's been a big process to go through all of those. A big part of what we do is we get actual photo editors who are in hiring positions to review every single applicant. Yeah. Um, because a big part of what perpetuates these networks of privilege that keep a lot of people of color out of, you know, these different types of opportunities is the whole culture of like the personal referral um, and and the vouching for, you know, somebody that you've worked for. And if you're looking to hire someone, you know, asking your friends who probably went to the same schools that you went to and attend the same kinds of networking yeah. events that you attend and, and who generally run in the same circles as you asking them for recommendations and the people that they're going to recommend are probably also from those same limited networks. Um, and so part of what we've been trying to do is, um, is expand people's networks. And we're trying to say, you know, this is not just a list of people who are available to work, but these are people who have been vetted by editors that you can trust. And the bar that we set is that our panel of editors um, determines that these people are ready for an assignment. So there's a wide range of what that actually means. You know, some people are are photographing covers of Time magazine and some people are maybe earlier in their careers um, and aren't quite ready for that high stakes of an assignment, but we're, we're saying, you know, you can trust that everybody that we're recommending has been vetted. So before COVID, um, we've just been in the process of going through all of those applications and trying to relaunch our website and creating a better UI UX for editors 
um, so that uh, the platform is is just a lot more useful for them um, in those hiring decisions. Yeah. So, I mean, having such a hold of this community and like being, you know, in this community, do you have this kind of pressure on you now that's even more so than just taking care of yourself because you're taking care of so many other artists and so many other creatives? Like what, what does that feel like right now? It's tricky because, you know, this is a labor of love. It's not something that any of us are paid to do. And we actually just brought on um, two more people to the team to help us out. So Salgu is helping us with all of our communications efforts. And then David is helping us with um, everything, everything web and kind of tech and platform based. Um, so they've been able to really help us um, just expand what we're able to take on. So obviously, when we started hearing about the virus, there were some natural concerns. But really, when mm-hmm. Um, when everything started to shut down, that really exaggerated a lot of the pressures that um, a lot of the members of our community are facing. So yeah. there's issues of being freelance and not having, you know, employer-based sick leave or before the, the I think it's the CARE Act, um, you know, freelancers not being eligible for unemployment. And a lot of those vulnerabilities that were existing before the virus um, have just become magnified. Um, you know, nobody really knows what to do when something like this happens, something that's completely unimaginable. Um, and I've been really personally moved by, um, seeing a lot of grassroots efforts, a lot of mutual aid efforts, um, coming together. Authority Collective is another organization that we're very close with, and they represent a lot of women and non-binary and female-identifying artists of color, um, mostly lens-based, but you know, people working in AR and VR and photography and video and doing all sorts of cool stuff. Um, and they very quickly launched a mutual aid program. Women Photograph is another mm-hmm. really badass group that immediately started fundraising um, and is is giving out grants to support people. So I think that, you know, in the absence of, of like a very clear and immediate government response and in the absence of an employer-based response that's equipped to handle the magnitude of something like this, we do see people stepping up and getting really creative um, about just trying to look out for one another. So, I mean, there's that Dr. Seuss quote about in times of tragedy, like, look for the helpers. Yeah. Um, and that that's something that is a little maybe cliche, but it really resonates with me of just just taking some comfort in the fact that we're all in this together and anything that you're personally experiencing, you're not alone in experiencing that. And I'm feeling very optimistic today. That might be different tomorrow. Um, and it, I feel like it, it, there's a lot of like emotional roller coasters. But today I'm just feeling fairly optimistic for some reason um, that you know, we're, we're gonna pull through this, like, people, people are social distancing. um, And I, I don't know. I mean, what can you do? (laughs) What do you think are some things that some creatives can do at home with their own work, like repurposing and, and things like that? Like, you know, prints are, you know, a great one. And like, I'm doing that myself. But like, do you think there's any other things that that maybe creatives that, you know, kind of work on their own and, and they want to get their work out there that they can do to, to get a little bit of an income at, at this time? I think that there's a lot of pressure, probably on everybody, but especially on artists, um, when 
there's great unrest and disturbance in the world. There's a lot of pressure on artists to respond and to be productive and to like make work. Um, and I guess first I want to say that I think it's entirely valid to just look out for your safety and look out for your health. And if that means not, you know, making a body of work around the coronavirus, I think that that's fine. Um, I mean, we were already starting to hear from people who have the virus and who are struggling with COVID who actually have the disease. Um, and obviously they can't work. Um, there are, uh, there are also people who are, you know, using this time to like catch up on organizing their archives. And, mm -hmm. um, and there, I, I, I do think that like for photographers, um, depending on your business model, licensing your work can be a revenue stream, um, although it's not as lucrative a revenue stream as it once was. But in order to actually make your archive um, have resale value, like all of your images need to be keyworded. And that is not a fun job to do. Nobody yeah. likes going through their archives and keywording. Yeah. But you know, if you have a lot of time on your hands, maybe you organize your archives and like get really diligent about keywording. Yeah. Or, that's that's you know, a, such a good tip that I wouldn't think of. And I'm afraid to do it because I know it's going to take yeah, so long. Yeah, it sucks. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I also think that sometimes creatives can put themselves in a certain box of the way that they're used to working. And maybe, maybe for some people, um, you know, especially if you're, if your medium is photography and you're used to being out in the world and photographing other people, and that is really how you make your work, then can you view this as a creative challenge of like, how do I make work when I'm stuck in my home? Like maybe this is a time to explore other mediums. Like maybe there's, you know, there's a lot of, um, of classes on how to draw and paint and yeah. do mixed media stuff and collage. Um, I mean, art has always been a really therapeutic thing for me, at least. And I think that if creating helps you to kind of process what you're going through and get through this, then that's fantastic. But I, I also don't think that there's a need to, to put pressure um, to, like, make something, you know, quote unquote, productive out of this. Yeah. You know? And I, and I also, I think there's like, there's, there's no shame at all in picking up whatever source of income you can find. So if that's getting a job with Amazon or instant cart, or, you know, I don't know who else is hiring out there. <laughs> um, but like photographers and, and other types of artists already usually have to find different ways of subsidizing their art, even under the best of circumstances. Um, and it, I know it can be kind of, a, it can, it can be painful when you've worked really hard to get to a place where you feel some sort of like legitimacy because your income comes from your art. Um, and then to have that ripped away, it can be painful, not only like financially, but also from like a sense of validation of your work. Um, so just, like having a little bit of grace for yourself and allowing yourself to do whatever you need to do to just cover the bills right now and, you know, take care of yourself. Yeah. 
what's important to you right now in the position that you're in, you know, as a creative that you are and, and just everything in your life, like what, what's important to you or what's most important to you right now? I, I, I really hope, I really, really, really hope that, um, the collective response to this virus ends up being addressing a lot of the structural inequalities in our society. I hope that this helps people realize that um, the health of everyone in a society is important to the health of everyone else in the society. Um, my dad worked in public health, and so I was raised with you know, the concept of public health. And we're seeing a lot of our, our vulnerabilities. I hope that we don't go back to business as usual when this is all said and done. I think that there's a lot of desire for obvious reasons to kind of go back to quote unquote normal. Um, but normal before this virus was also fraught with a lot of problems um, and a lot of suffering. And, and that suffering was not equal. Um, and my hope is that something good will come of this in the long term and that and that we can learn from this and be a more empathetic society and like look out for the more vulnerable among us um, and just care about one another and be really conscientious about voting and, you know, respect just the right to vote. I mean, I, I feel like that's another whole aspect of this is like, it's so easy to take the right to vote for granted when it's something that you've just always counted on. And now we're even seeing this question of like, well, how do you even hold elections when it's physically not safe for people to be in in polling yeah. stations together? Um, and the consequences of those elections really matters if you believe in democracy and you want, I'm going off on like such a tangent. Oh, that's great. <laughs> But we just have to like look out for one another and I hope that we can do that, that we come out of this with a more equitable society and with a, a more empathetic ethos, I guess. Now we're going to jump into a conversation with author, blogger, and designer, Danny DePiro. She is the founder of Positively Present, which is all about spreading positivity, awareness, and self-love in the form of books, words, and design. You can see her work at Positively Present on Instagram and PositivelyPresent.com. Danny kicks off the conversation talking about what's truly important to her at this time. Most important thing for me specifically is creating. I feel like that's always my personal outlet, whether it's through writing or drawing. That's that's my go-to, you know, in good times and bad, but particularly um, when things are difficult, I feel like expressing myself and, you know, getting it out there, even if it's something I don't share online, um, but most of the time it is. <laughs> um, I feel like that's, that's kind of my go-to thing and what I'm really making a priority right now. It's funny too, because when we talked last, 
you weren't posting on TikTok yet. Like it's little things like oh, that. God, where like, I love TikTok. Now you're on TikTok. <laughs> now I'm on TikTok. So it's like finding those little avenues where you can still like be creative, but keep it in the circle that like you're comfortable in, or at least in like the world that you're comfortable in and finding a way to use it as an outlet for you specifically. Like that's such a good example of that. Even just your little TikTok videos, you know? Definitely. I feel like TikTok is definitely one of those things. And I'm sure that there are other examples, but of exploring a different medium of how you want to do your work um, and share your work, but you can still keep it the same. But I think people really like to see behind the scenes and the process of things, whether, you know, you're drawing something or if you're a photographer, like I've seen a lot of them on TikTok, like showing how they set up shots and like little tricks they do to make things better and the lighting they use and how they pose people. And I feel like all of that stuff is so fascinating. Even if you're not a creative person, people just like to watch it. So it's a whole different way to explore creativity and share what you're doing, you know, in addition to the other regular social media platforms that have been around forever. Yeah. And you know, you have such an impactful voice in the creative community. When all of this started to to happen and, and go down with, when it comes to, you know, the isolation and social distancing and just really everything that we've been dealing with, what kind of approach did you take continuing to put out the work that you put out? Did you have to kind of sit back for a second and really think about the work that you wanted to, to release or create or make? Like, what, what was your thought process in that transition? Well, typically what I do, um, sometimes I share things I've made before. Um, I'll reshare things or, you know, if it's a certain time of year, a lot of times my work has a seasonal element. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, my work is really like something I'm experiencing, whether it's like a quote I saw that really meant something to me or a song I'm listening to right now or, you know, just if I'm feeling anxious, I'll make something about anxiety. So a lot of it's very personal and very like real time in terms of what I create. So it just was kind of normal for me to just keep doing what I do. And it happens to tie in with what a lot of people are going through because I'm also going through it. Right. And I definitely, you know, think about my content, you know, with people going through difficult things right now. Like I want to keep it uplifting. I want to keep it inspiring. Um, and I don't want to make it, you know, more, any more stressful (laughs) than, you know, I, I want it to sort of be an escape for people, but also thought provoking in some way. Yeah, for sure. Has your workflow kind of shifted or changed at all? Or, or, you know, since you work from home a lot, I feel like when you're creating, has it kind of just stayed uh, like in a similar, in a similar fashion? Yeah, it's pretty much the same as it's always been because I work from home. Mm -hmm. Um, I do feel like I've become a little bit more consistent with TikTok in terms of creating every day. Yeah. Um, But in terms of Instagram, I pretty much post every day. I do feel like now slightly more pressure to make sure I post every day, which is very (laughs) self-imposed. Like, I don't (laughs) think that anybody is going to be like, you didn't post today, but I do feel like this internal pressure, like, I want to help people and, like, I want to put something out that will be helpful to them. But honestly, I kind of had that before, so (laughs) I don't know if it's really totally about this situation or not. Um, But, yeah, for the most part, it's been the same. I think that's one thing that's happened to a lot of people that work from home and, work for themselves. It's, it's very similar that as normal. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a, there's a ton of people that now are forced to work at home and there's a lot of people like you and kind of me, cause I work from home half the time at least where like, I really have like built a schedule around it and like, I've known how to deal with it before. So it wasn't a huge transition getting into it, but like imagine how many people 
like they went from being out every day to just in. And it's so hard. Like I even have friends, like really close friends that work in an office usually. And now during the day, they're just, you know, like what, Dane, how do I, how do I do this? Like, how do I stay (laughs) productive and how do I stay motivated and how do I actually get work done? Like, do you have any like tips and tricks for how to like stay on track while working from home? Well, I think one thing that a lot of people don't talk about is like this pressure to constantly be productive. Yeah. But when I think back to my days when I was working in an office, I mean, I think about how many times I was just like chit-chatting with people in like the break room or you're having these meetings that are kind of pointless and that like are a waste of time or, you know, a lot of times you're looking at stuff online that's not work-related. I mean, this isn't the case for everyone, but a lot of people (laughs) do unproductive things in the office is what I'm trying to say. So it's not like you literally are super, super productive there every second. And then at home, you're not. Um, I think, you know, it's important to realize you can get a lot of work done in a short period of time. Yeah. um, You know, if you really focus and not to worry so much about, you know, am I doing work every second, especially, I mean, it depends on your job, but if you're getting done what you need to get done for your boss or your company, then that's what matters. Um, and for me, in terms of the schedule, like I have a general schedule of kind of how I live my days, but I don't have like a strict like get up, shower, get dressed, pretend you're going into the office, like all those tips that people say, like never work in your bed. I don't do any of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like work in sweatpants in my bed. Sometimes I'm working at like nine o'clock at night. Sometimes first thing in the morning I get up and I feel creative and I make stuff. So, I mean, obviously that sort of depends on your job, but I feel like don't feel this pressure to do things like, unless it's like a deliverable for your boss that you need at a certain time, you don't have to do things on like a perfect schedule, especially now. I mean, it's also new for people, you know, everyone needs to just, just relax a little. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wonder if, if this time, I wonder if it will show that you can have, you know, a lot of efficiency done not only at home, but like in these smaller batches of time. So then, you know, maybe at the office, instead of those three hour long meetings, those turn into like 10 minute phone meetings, something quick and just something to yeah. like get things across. I think it's Gary Vaynerchuk who just recently. Uh, I love Gary. Yeah, Gary's great, right? But uh, he yeah. he was he was doing one of his, I think he does like a weekly V now instead of the daily Vs. But he yeah. went into this rant about how, like, you know, he doesn't take a meeting over, like, five minutes in some cases at, at his office. Oh, yeah. And I completely agree. I mean, there's so much done just, like, in corporations in general. And I know that people can't help this if they're working at a job and they have to do what the rules are or whatever. But a lot of organizations, things are inefficient. Things take forever. Things are drawn out longer than they should be. And obviously, if you work for yourself, it's different. But I feel like you definitely can get more done than you think. And you also have to remember, you're not always productive at work. Just because you're in an office doesn't mean you're more productive. Right. Um, And you really kind of have to figure out, and I'm sure people are doing this, like what works best for you. I mean, generally, I'm a more morning person um, and some people aren't. And, you know, try to do your work during the time of day that works best for you. Yeah. Do you see a really big... uh... I guess correlation is probably the word. I'm so weird with bad words. <laughs> I'm bad with words sometimes. I think that'd be the word. But uh, between po- positivity and productivity, like, do you see those two kind of going in a parallel path together? 
I definitely see that personally, and it's probably universal as well. I think if you're you're being negative and you're focusing on what could go wrong and you're not looking for the best possible outcomes, you don't believe you can do something, mm-hmm. you know, those things are all going to hinder you and make it more difficult to get things done. I mean, at, at the basic level, if you think, well, I'm never going to get this project done. Or there's like no time to do this, so I can't do that thing. Like you're automatically right there, like setting up a bad situation mentally for yourself. So I definitely feel like having a positive attitude, believing you'll get it done. And also just like thinking back to all the times you were stressed out about an assignment or a project and and you got it done. Yeah. Sometimes I'm sure sometimes things are late or whatever, but things get done. And it generally, for the most part, works out fine. Um, especially with work-related stuff that's not, you know, life or death. And I feel like if you have a good attitude and remember that, it's going to be easier to get the difficult things done. Yeah. You know, I, I always try to, like, remind myself of that throughout, especially throughout, like, the weird, tough times. Like, now is a really good example, you know, because there's so many freelancers and creatives and, you know, all of the above that are just kind of – not necessarily stress, but worry is like a big word, you know, like that's a big thing that comes up a lot. And a lot of times, even for me, like when I'm worried about stuff, I don't necessarily know it. And, and it kind of comes in the form of anxiety and I become anxious and I don't really understand, you know, sometimes why. And I kind of have to like dig deep and be like, oh yeah, you're kind of probably worried because you're not working right now. Right. Yeah, you really have to get in touch with yourself and sort of know. I actually just posted something a few minutes ago about what anxiety can look like. Yeah. Um, because it, it appears so differently in different people. And, like, you have to kind of start to pay attention to yourself and notice how it comes up because it's not always an obvious thing. Like, oh, I'm lying awake at night worrying. Like, that's not always how anxiety presents itself for people. Um, and it is a really difficult time for people who especially are out of work or don't know when their next paycheck is coming and that, I mean, it's understandable to be worried. What do you do to deal with worry? But, you know, more specifically, what do you do to deal with fear? Yeah, I think with fear for me, what I personally try to do is I try to sit with it and like pay attention to it and be like, all right, what are you really afraid of? What could possibly happen? Um, you know, what's like the odds that that'll happen? Because I think so much of what I'm afraid of, and I think this happens to a lot of people, is it ends up not happening or it ends up not happening the way you think it's going to happen. Or, you know, so many of the like worst things that have happened are so out of the blue that I never worried about them or predicted them because they just happened. Um, most of the things I spent, you know, being so afraid of um, don't happen. Um, or you don't know, you know, how things are going to work out. Like even if something really bad does happen, let's say you lose your job, you have no idea where you're going to get income. Like maybe down the road, that's going to lead you to try a different career path that you're ultimately going to love and be really successful in. I mean, I know it's hard sometimes to see and imagine the future when things are bad, but a lot of bad things that I've been through end up turning into good things. And you never know, like you never know that's coming because it's like far down the line, but it like still can be a good thing when bad things happen. <laughs> that makes yeah. sense. No, of course. Um, you know, also in a lot of this, uh, during these times, I feel like self-care can kind of get forgotten about a little bit when people are so worried about, you know, like getting food on the table and getting groceries and getting things that they need and taking care of their family. Like what, what do you think are some, some good self-care tips that maybe even you're practicing at home yourself? 
Yeah, I think with that, it's really personal. Like, and I think that that can be a tricky thing because I feel like so much of the self-care is like do a face mask or like, you know, take a bath, which all those things are great. Like if if that works for you. But like for me, I really like escaping into a book. Like Mm -hmm. that really helps me kind of unwind. And like, you know, a lot of people like playing video games or watching shows or whatever. Like, you know, find something, especially like, I'm not an advocate of like escaping your feelings, but I feel like in this situation, it's okay to like do something that's a little bit fun for, you know, a little bit of time, like, and enjoy yourself. Um, I feel like that's an act of self-care, especially for me. I love finding anything that makes me laugh Yeah. Um, because there's really not much of a better feeling than just like cracking up or something. <laughs> um, so, but you know, some people might be like, that doesn't do anything for me. And in which case, you know, Maybe they like listening to classical music or something, something that I'm not into. But like, you know, you got to find what works for you, makes you feel a little bit calm, makes you feel a little bit relaxed and also don't feel like pressure to do self-care. I feel like a lot of people have started to think like, now I have to do that in addition to like all my other things. Like if your schedule is packed and you're stressed, like don't feel like you have to add like meditation to your to-do list if that's not going to work for you right now. Like. Don't, don't like stress yourself out. If it's like adding more stress to your life, you know, or you're feeling like bad, like, oh, I don't do enough self-care. Like, that's not good. Like accepting the level of self-care you can do is self-care. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. When, uh, when you feel overwhelmed with work or, you know, with, with creating projects, like, I'm not sure how much you, you do feel overwhelmed. Like I, myself as a photographer, I feel like at least one or two days a week, I just sit there. And I just say, oh my gosh, I can't handle this right now. You know, what, yeah. do you, do you have that in your life at all? And if you do, you know, how do you take a step back and, and take a fresh breath and say, okay, this is how I need to kind of assess the situation. I feel like I, I have that when I have like a really big project, like when I, I just recently finished working on my next book, when I first start, you know, mapping it out, get the outline, get the editor's approval and everything, Mm -hmm. then you have this huge amount of art to create. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like, how am I ever going to do this? And you feel so overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, But what I do, and it's a pretty common tip, but is to break things down into manageable steps. Like I'm going to do four drawings today or, you know, whatever I could do. Um, And, make it easier that way. Because I feel like whenever you look at something just like as a whole big, huge thing, it's just like too much. It's like you have to make things smaller, things you can do daily, or even if you want to get like more, (laughs) more micro with it, you know, what am I going to do in this hour? You know, and, and that, to be honest, probably won't work for everyone because some people maybe would find that restrictive or something or too structured. But for me, that's what really works. I feel like breaking things down into things I can do each day. Yeah. Then I feel like I have more control over what's happening. Yeah. No, that's really good. I bet writing things down is probably good too. My, like I work in such a weird, just like kind of like wild, wild west fashion where it's just like in my head, I know what I need to do and get it done. But because it's not like on an actual schedule, maybe that's why things feel like they yeah. just get so oh, I have crazy. To write everything down. <laughs> yeah. Which everything is great. Everything down. Like I make a to-do list every night of things I'm going to do the next day. I don't always do them all, <laughs> but um, yeah. And at the, on Sundays, I always make like a calendar of what I'm going to try to do in the week. And even like when things are slower, then I try to think of like, all right, well, what would you want to do? Like now, you know, if I'm not making, like, I'm not working on a book at this moment, like, okay, 
what projects could I try? What things like TikTok is one thing, you know, I've tried a lot of like experimenting with different things. And I feel like that's something a lot of artists and creatives could be doing now if they have downtime and they don't have like any projects like exploring different ways to like share their work. Yeah. Oh, I dig it. I'm right there with it. Um, So, you know, being the voice behind Positively Present, when it comes to this situation specifically right now, uh, April 2020 for a timestamp in the future, <laughs> which everyone will know exactly what that means. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, how how do you think we can come out of this in a positive way when it comes to more positive for yourself? You know, positive as creatives, as creators, as artists, as, you know, this community. How do you think we can spin this to to be a positive thing at the end of the day when we're, when it's all said and done? Well, I'm hoping that it will make people two things. One, learn what they really value and like pay attention to what they're really missing. Like if you were the type of person that went out to eat all the time, like, are you really missing that right now? Mm -hmm. Like if that, and that's totally cool if you are, like you're like, you really care about that. That's something you want to do. If maybe you're not, you're like, then maybe be like, why would I do that all the time? Yeah. Um, You know, or that could apply to anything. People you hang out with, who are you really missing? Who are you like, hmm? I haven't really noticed that they're not in my <laughs> life so right true. now. Or, yeah. or I feel better without them in my life. They stressed me out or whatever. Um, that, I think, could be a positive thing. And I also feel like just in general, people hopefully getting more in touch with themselves because they're spending possibly more time alone. I mean, obviously, that depends if you've got like a big family and stuff mm-hmm. and you're at home, you might not be alone all the time. But hopefully people are sort of paying attention to how they feel and sort of learning how they deal with difficult situations. Um, and that can be a difficult thing, but especially people in relationships or with their family. I mean, they're, you're together a lot now and that's going to teach people, you know, how to work with one another, what doesn't work with certain people. And I feel like that could be a really positive thing. Um, obviously there are going to be a lot of difficult things that come out of this, but I do feel like there is sort of this collective bonding experience going on. Like almost you could probably name anyone right now and they're probably at home. And that's crazy. Like I could think of like a celebrity right now. They're probably at home. <laughs> like, you know, like everybody is at home, um, which is great because that's what we should be doing. <laughs> but it's also this collective thing that we'll all have gone through. And I think that, you know, can bring people together in ways that we might not expect right now. That'll do it, guys. Thank you so much for checking out another episode of Creators in Isolation. I'd like to thank Jessica Zolman, Andrea Wise, and Danny DePiro for coming on and giving us the time. I really hope you guys got a lot out of this one. I hope you're all doing really well during your isolation, and uh, I hope that you're staying busy, staying positive, and are able to still create. You can find us at Darkroom. You can find me at Dane Diener. Uh, Again, if you want to jump on and buy some prints to help out Diversify Photo's creative community, you can do that at diversifyphoto.darkroom.tech. And I think that is going to run for at least the next 48 hours. All right, you guys, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. And we will see you on the next one.